Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas, and I'm glad that you are here. One of the more more common types of persons or people that come to me is the person who is disappointed. Now, there's a reason for that. It's because we do counseling. That's what we do. We provide counseling. We train counselors. We train leaders into how to help people, specifically in the local church. And because of that, virtually everybody that comes to us is either disappointed or they are helping someone who is disappointed. And when the disappointments accumulate in a person's life, there is a strong temptation to give up. But more than giving up, the disappointed soul becomes bitter, suspicious, and even hostile toward the hope of a better life, a better life that God holds out for them. What I'm describing here is cynicism, that suspicious attitude that they really don't believe that God can offer them a better life or they have tried to live their life the best that they know how, and it did not pan out the way that they had hoped, and they become what I call a Christian cynic. The Christian cynic does not hope, but what they do is they wallow under the negative waves that roll over them seemingly continuously, and I want to talk about that in this podcast. This is episode 194, and the title of it is The Cyclic Effect of Cynicism and the Cure. I have an infographic in this podcast. You can see it here in the show notes. I would love for you to go to episode 194 and take a look at this infographic as it will help you to care for that suspicious, hurting soul. There are a lot of Christian cynics within our local churches. Perhaps they began their journey with Christ optimistically. I would think that they did. I did. I think maybe perhaps everybody begins their journey with Christ in an optimistic, positive way. But for many reasons, and it's different with each person, where Today, they are a million miles from where they hoped they would be at this juncture in their lives. Now, there could be many reasons for this outcome, why they are the Christian cynic, that suspicious person who really doubts in the hope that is offered through Christ. If you are that person, I'm not here today in this podcast to criticize you or condemn you at all. I want to hopefully provide you with some answers of maybe how you got to where you are, and I want to give you some solutions of how you can pull yourself out, but also for those who care for this type of person. I suspect you know somebody who is struggling right now. Maybe they are in that place of cynicism where they have just given up, or perhaps they're on that path and they're heading in that direction. And if that is true, then you are a soul care provider. And my appeal to you is to come alongside that person who is struggling. Life just did not turn out the way that they had hoped. And I hope through this podcast that you will be able to bring competent care to them. Again, it's episode 194. I have a lot of information here. In fact, I have over 12,000 words when you 
collect the articles that are embedded, that are linked here in these show notes. And so you can spend many months coming alongside this person. And by the way, you will have to do just that. You don't care for this person quickly and simply. You have to you have to enter into the messiness of their life and you have to be ready and prepare yourself for the long haul because it takes a long time to to walk them out of the prison of cynicism where they have ensconced themselves because they are afraid. They are afraid that they are going to be hurt again if they put themselves out there and so cynicism it has a medicating effect. It's a way of walling yourself off from, from being hurt again. And I'll talk more about that in just a few moments. But here, I want to give you several reasons as to possible reasons as to how they have come to this place in their life. Christian cynicism. Here's a short list. It could be that they have a weak theology of suffering. And I put this at the top of the list because... Most Christians, well, we know that God has, that Christ has called us to die. Take up, you take up your cross theology and the language is throughout the four gospels. And we check that box and we pass the Christian exam when we take that test. Yes, it is a call to suffer and we're to take up our cross and follow Christ. But that is different. That's theoretical. But when it happens to you, you can learn quickly that you have a weak theology of suffering. And so when a person is regenerated after they become a Christian and suffering enters into their lives, they don't have a game plan. They don't have a way of working through their suffering, and they can be buried by their suffering. And so one of the reasons that a person can find themselves in a place of Christian cynicism is because they have a weak theology of suffering. Another one is poor decision-making. Quite frankly, we just make bad decisions. We think that we know what we need to do or where we need to go. For example, you want to marry this person. This is the most common one that I run into when I'm interacting with discouraged Christians. It's in their marriages. They have all the optimism in the world when they are dating, and, and then they... They punch their ticket, they get married, then they enter into marriage in the 24-7 construct, two sinners living in a box, as I say it, with no escape. You have these um, new activities that people do. It's called escape rooms, where you go into these rooms and you figure out with another person or a few other people of how to escape in a short amount of time. Well, marriage... It's not like an escape room. You don't escape. You're in there forever. And you begin this relationship, this journey with your spouse, with all the optimism in the world, and then you find out that this is far more difficult and challenging and disappointing than you could ever have anticipated. That's just one of the poor decisions that a person makes. But there's many more decisions that we make that land us in some bad places. And so a weak theology of suffering, poor decision-making, Number three here is negative shaping influences that warp the individual individual before they ever meet Jesus. 
I met Jesus when I was 25 years old. I had a quarter of a century of negative shaping influences. And so without question, I came from the dinged and dented section of the grocery store. I came into my Christian relationship with a lot of adverse negative shaping influences that warped me and Christ has been untangling me ever since. But some people can come into their Christian experience with some horrific shaping influences and it impedes their growth in Christ and they can easily veer off into cynicism, this suspicious attitude. Another way, a reason that a person can end up in cynicism is a small-souled person. What I mean by a small-souled person is a person with limited capacity, according to what Paul was talking about in 1 Thessalonians 5.14. He used the terminology or used the word faint-hearted. The word faint-hearted means that this person has lower capacities. We know that all people are not created equally. We're all made in the image of God, but everybody is not the same. Some people have their large soul capacity people. They just have a lot of capacity to be able to process things and think through things. But then you have lower capacity people that doesn't make them inferior or less than anyone else. We're all, we're all the same. Uh, in the eyes of God as being fellow image bearers, but it is true that we're also quite different, and you can have a small-souled person. And Paul says to the small-souled person in 1 Thessalonians 5.14 is you want to make sure you encourage that person. They need a lot of encouragement. Another shaping or another reason that a person can be cynical is the adverse effects of fear of man. A person who is just in bondage to the fear of others, as the Proverbs talks about, the fear of man leads to a snare, and so you find a person incarcerated because they feel very small in a big person world. These are adverse effects, and they tend to isolate themselves from genuine help. Imagine a person who struggles with fear of man, and they've had a lot of disappointing things come into their lives, but they don't reach out and ask for help because of fear of man. This is self entangling. And so there are many reasons a person can end up in Christian cynicism, a weak theology of suffering, poor decision-making, negative shaping influences that warp them before they meet Jesus, a small soul person, the adverse effects of fear of man. Here are three more, hedonistic thinking and living that led them down the wrong path. It's just self-centered lust-filled living that I want life my way. I want to have as much fun as possible. I'm a hedonist and I have hedonistic thinking and living. Well, that eventually is going to lead you into a place of a lot of hurt and disappointment. Another reason is bad luck. Now, I inserted in uh, parentheses here, bad sovereign luck. We Christians don't believe in, in luck at all. But I'm using this language of bad luck because some people just they're just falling they're falling one hole after the other but i've inserted here bad sovereign luck because ultimately god is over all of this he superintends over our lives and so there's no such thing as bad luck but you can say and i'm saying in a tongue-in-cheek way bad sovereign luck just bad things happen to me all the time or regularly and then the last reason that a person can end up in cynicism is abusive relationships they have just been hurt one too many times 
uh, either by their parents or by their spouse or by their employer or by their pastor or by some other person where it's just an abusive relationship and after a while they're gnarled up and they incarcerate themselves and and they will not like the turtle they will never look outside the shell because they know that they're going to be hit over the head now perhaps you can add to this list that i've given you but the result is the same you're not this person is not only given up but now they live in a self-fulfilling prophetic world where you know that no matter what you do, the other shoe will drop. The good won't last, whatever the good may be. The silver lining behind that cloud is just a setup for severe weather. And worst of all, God is not on your side. This is what cynicism looks like. Rather than believing in the active goodness of God, you live inside your suspicious mind where your endless loop tape tells you over and over and over and over again that all roads lead to a dead and disappointing end. The soul that is disappointed one too many times lives in a cyclic world, or what I call the cyclic effect of cynicism. Now, these are some of the ways that a person can get this way. And again, you can add to this list, but I wanted to give you an idea so that you can explore this in your own mind because it's important if you want to help someone, you need to understand the uniqueness of their relationship, how they got there. But now I want to talk just to add a little more color to this idea of what is cynicism. A cynic just to put it in a very short definition, is a suspicious person. Go back to the turtle with his head inside the shell, been hit one too many times, disappointed one too many times. They stay inside the shell. They are a negative, they are a half-glass type person. They will more than likely tell you why something won't work rather than the optimistic hope that you find in the active goodness of God on someone's behalf. They don't believe in the active goodness of God, not the way the normal Christian should. Again, this person is suspicious. They would read Hebrews 11, that faith-filled chapter. The faith-filled chapter of a lot of individuals who are all killed for their faith, horrific things happen to them. They would read that chapter from the most cynical perspective rather than how the writer of Hebrews 11 talked about the great faith and the great hope of those who lived in horrible situations. The cynic would not read that chapter that way. They would personalize it, internalize it, and then they would take it to the most negative place. Not, they would not see that as an active God, God's active goodness on behalf of these believers who were persecuted for their faith. The Christian cynic will, will not enter into the fray. They'll not get into the fight. But they will tell you all the reasons why what you want to do won't work. They may even describe themselves as that helpful friend that provides the other option as a measure of protection and warning, they are, they're only protecting you so that you don't do something dumb. And that's how they posture themselves. That's how they present themselves. But the difference between the cynic and the faith-filled person is that the cynic does not talk about hope. 
trust, faith, endurance, optimism, possibility in how God is greater in you than whatever is in the world. Now, the cynic may posture themselves as being that helpful friend that's providing the other option as a measure of protection and warning so you don't do something dumb. But you will know if it's a Christian cynic. If, you, if you're not hearing hope in their language, trust, faith, endurance, optimism, possibility, and how God is greater in you than whatever's in the world. And what the cynic will do is they'll spiritualize their counsel, and they will never discern how they have morphed into the sin of cynicism. That gives you a brief idea of what cynicism is. And now I want to talk about this infographic that I have here in these show notes. Again, episode 194. I really want you to take the time to look at this I want you to read these show notes, this skeletal outline that I have here, what I'm sharing with you. Look at the infographic, and if you are a person that you find yourself in the, if you're in the glass half full crowd, then I want you to read this, look at this, listen to this audio again and again, and then I want you to read these articles that I've embedded here because it will help you and maybe more importantly, or just as important, I want you to find somebody to help you. Now, if you are a soul care provider, if you're caring for that person who is stuck in this negative place, this this self-fulfilling prophecy of negativity, they're in this prison of hurt and suspicion, and they won't stick their head outside of the shell, then I want you to study what I'm sharing with you as well. And so I want to talk about this infographic. I'll try to describe it to you so you can visually see it. The question is, how did they come to this place of cynical bondage? There are two, there are two vital things that have to happen to become a Christian cynic. I'm phrasing this as Christian cynic, and the reason that I'm doing that is because only the Christian cynic can be helped out of their cynicism. God is the one that ultimately helps a person out of cynicism. If you're just a cynic and you're not a Christian cynic, then your first step is to become a Christian. You need to be regenerated. You need to be born a second time so that God can make a divine rescue. He can he can penetrate that prison. He can go behind the walls that you have built to surround yourself as a measure of self-protection. But you have to be born again the first time, and then God will begin a restoration process that will help you. And so that's why I'm using the language of Christian cynic, because the Christian cynic is the one that truly has hope. They can receive hope and help for this problem that, that in which they find themselves. And so two of the vital things have to happen to become a Christian cynic. One of those things is a disappointment, big or small. And it's usually multiple disappointments that come into an individual's life. And so you can think about it like this. Something disappointing enters into the Christian's life. Now, one of the purposes of disappointment is to reveal what is inside of you. And that's the way that we all should think about the annoyances in our life, the annoying people in our life, the disappointments in our life, the hardship, the suffering, however you want to frame that. But if you're not a Christian cynic, in fact, you can test yourself this way. 
when a disappointment comes into your life, you can think of it one or two ways. I can't believe what that person did. That person is so annoying, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or you can say, wow, that hurt. That was disappointing. And it is revealing something inside of me. Now, that is the way that we should think about all of our disappointments. Let's say that a disappointment comes into your life and you are a contented person. You are contented. You have contentment. The disappointment will sting for a while because all disappointments sting. That's the nature of disappointment. But the disappointment is coming inside a contented person. And so it won't change you ultimately. You will be able to reorient your life. You'll be able to recover somewhat quickly. You will learn from the disappointment and you will mature through it. But let's say that you are not a contented person. Let's say that you have a discontented heart. That disappointment will stir you up on the inside and it will cause your discontentment to increase. I say there are two vital things that need to happen to become a a Christian cynic. One, you have to experience disappointment. And two, you have to have a discontented heart. And so when the disappointment comes in and lands in a discontented heart, well, there's a strong chance your discontentment will grow and you will start protecting yourself after a while and you'll grow in Christian cynicism. You could think of your disappointments like the shaking of a snow globe. All frustrations, big or small, all frustrations shake you up on the inside. And then you resettle to your pre-existing condition. So you take a snow globe, you turn it upside down, do that thing that we do when we're shaking a snow globe. And then we turn it right side up and it it will resettle to its pre-existing condition. And so if you are a contented Christian, the shaking of your soul, the shaking of your snow globe, what it will do is it it will mature and it will strengthen you. Paul talked about this in Romans 5, 3 through 5. Here's what Paul said. He says we rejoice in our sufferings. Do you hear that? That is what a mature Christian will do. They will rejoice in their sufferings. And so when life comes along and shakes up the Christian snow globe, they rejoice in their sufferings. And then he goes on to say, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. You see the stacking of words here? Paul is a, this glass is half full. He is a half full individual. If you shake Paul up, he says, I rejoice in my sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, that's what happens to the snow globe that's shaken up of the mature Christian. But if you are a discontented Christian, the shaking of your soul will exacerbate your pre-existing condition of discontentedness. And the the conclusion is straightforward. The, The trouble in your life will mature you. 
or it will send you into more profound cynicism. And these outcomes are dependent on the kind of person you were before the difficult times came. You remember what I said earlier? Is that the disappointment in your life will reveal the kind of person you are. The trouble in your life will mature you, or the trouble in your life will send you into more profound cynicism. And these outcomes either maturing or more profound cynicism, are dependent on the kind of person you were before the difficult times came. Let me walk through the cyclic effect of cynicism. It goes like this. Disappointment enters into the discontented heart. The cynic responds negatively rather than faith-filled. They do not use Paul's language in Romans 5. They do not rejoice in their sufferings. They are not aware that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. But disappointment enters into a discontented heart. The cynic responds negatively rather than faith-filled. What people will hear, what will come out of that, And so disappointment comes in, it lands on the discontented heart, and then what comes out of the person's mouth is a critical spirit. That's what people will hear. They will hear the negative half full. They'll hear all the reasons why. Uh, They will hear about past disappointment, how God didn't come through, or how uh, somebody hurt them in the past. They will hear a critical spirit. The type of spirit It forms a response of disappointment, and they're setting themselves up. And so the next time that disappointment comes in, it goes through the same process again. It's cyclic. It's bondage. It's incarcerating. It is monumentally hard to get out of the ditch of cynicism. One of the reasons for this is because the cynic is afraid to admit that they are this way. You see, to admit that you are this kind of person means you have to do something, uh, you have to do something about it. It would be better to, to not admit that you're this way, and that way you can, never, you can always keep your head within the shell of the turtle. And so one of the reasons that a cynic has a hard time overcoming this sin It's because they won't admit it. They won't admit that they are this way because they don't want to do anything about their condition because they know if they they put their head out there again, it's probably going to get slapped. They're probably going to be hurt again. And so admission of this problem is their kryptonite. It is the thing that it is the main thing that keeps them from owning the fact that they are a cynic. Cynicism is a fortress that the hurt too often person hides within so they can keep from being disappointed again. It's a voluntary timeout from Christian life. Owning this bondage is their first step of faith. Just saying it. This is who I am. This is how I struggle. I want to do something about it. And it really becomes a a point of comparison. Do I want to continue to suffer in this self-imposed prison that I'm living in because I'm trying to protect myself from being hurt again? Or do do I want to get off the boat, as Peter did in Matthew 14, and do something dangerous? Walk on water. 
And that is the juncture that this person finds themselves. Now, if you want to help them, once they come to the place of admittance, where they are admitting this problem, you want to begin teaching them about who God is rather than the version of him that they have accepted or the version of him that they have edited God to be. You see, the Lord is generous and kind and gracious and merciful. God is persevering and loving. He desires to give the abundant life to anyone who wants it. But here's the difficulty. This kind of life will only come through us, to us rather, through suffering. There is no question that the Lord employs the crucible of suffering as the means to mature us, as Hebrews 11 clearly articulates. Coming to grips on the dying-to-self theology of Christ will be the biggest hurdle for the cynic, the cross. And you want to present this truth to the struggling cynic in ways that will encourage them to step into the crucible rather than just giving them facts about the matter. And what I mean by that is too many Christians would say something like, well, God has called you to suffer. This path is the same for everyone. My friends, we can do much better than this. You must exegete your cynic by understanding how they got to where they are and the uniqueness of their life. You cannot just slap Bible cliches across their backs with an appeal for them to buck up for Jesus. Now, I have a call to action in episode 194. I have more to say here, but you can read all about it in these show notes and will help you to walk through this significant problem that many Christians struggle with. Thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.